Um, every Sunday is special because we gather for a specific purpose. But every Sunday where we have communion, there's just a little bit more, it's, it's a little bit extra special to me. The very act of taking communion, Eucharist, Holy Supper, whatever you want to call it, is signifies what we as Christians believe. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he was here in the flesh and he saves us from the wrath of God. So as we take communion, we witness to the world and to each other in whom we believe and whom we worship as our God. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him not as a memory of a past figure, but in remembrance of his current presence with us this morning. And so this is a spirit in which to take communion. So this morning's sermon is not a traditional communion message, but it is one that we need to understand as we approach the table, even though there is nothing to mention about communion in terms of the message that I have this morning. So before we delve into the message, let us just bow our heads in prayer one more time and just commit our hearts and our minds to God. Father, we we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you, God, that we have a God that truly loves us, that we are accepted despite our condition, and that being sin. We thank you that you introduced us to your table, Father, and you welcome us to your table. We want to do this, Father, in remembrance of Jesus, who is alive and here with us. I pray, Lord God, this morning that you speak to your people, that your Holy Spirit encounters each and every heart here. We thank you for your Son who died on that cross and for all that you do for us now, Father. In your precious Son's name I pray. Amen. So from the time that Jesus was here in the flesh until now, people continue to debate who Jesus is. And there's been a long trail of evidence before he came here in the flesh, but then also after his ascension into heaven. And it's about who, what is the true identity of, God, of Jesus as the Son of God. But despite the evidence, people either seek to ignore it or discredit the evidence because it might mean that if we actually accept it, it's got a pretty profound impact on our lives. Especially because judgment lies with Jesus and we will see that later on. But some people say that Jesus never existed. Some say he was just a man or a troublemaker. But Jesus revealed himself to be something so much more than that. And he revealed himself to be the Son of God, the only Son of God, and the Saviour of humanity. Not just by sayings, but by his actions. Some of his actions that he performed were miracles. And then his life culminates in in a shameful death on a cross. But he comes alive and the Holy Spirit continues to testify to that. 
So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus? Is it one of the above answers? Now, for most of us, I know we're Christians, and you might say, well, T-boy, you're just preaching to the choir. But I believe even people who claim to be Christians get Jesus wrong. In John chapter 9, which we're going to look into a man's story here, we will see that even the most religious get it wrong. Despite the fact that there is evidence right in their face about who Jesus is. We're going to look at a story of a man who encounters Jesus and is transformed by Jesus and has a powerful story for us as well as his time back then. Now the man in his story sits among those who has their life radically transformed. Now, the story I'm talking about, and it's a well-known story, it's in John chapter 9, and it's about the blind man. And I love his story. As I was reading up until this, it just, it just popped out completely at me. And it's written almost like a play. It's quite easy to read, and you're positioned like an audience member of a story. And the beauty of his story, it truly invites you to see yourself in it. So we're going to actually read the entire chapter. Now I know that might seem maybe a bit tedious, but without... I want to read it because I feel like there's so much power in reading the whole story. So those of you who have your Bibles, um, it should be on the screen as well, but feel free to read along in your own translation. And this is how John chapter 9 goes. As he went along, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, He spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sin, so so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, 
How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders and also had decided, who had already decided anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That, was his, that is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was born blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they heard insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who, will, who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So let's look at this story. I know it's a long story, but just so important. We see that in the beginning, Jesus is walking and he sees a blind man born from birth. He does not speak to the blind man, but his disciples just happen to ask a question. Why is he blind? Why is, why is God allowing his suffering? A common belief of that time, at least in the Jewish community, is that suffering, an answer for suffering was the punishment of sin or a punishment of parent sin or generational sin. However, Jesus discredits this, showing that this guy's circumstances have nothing to do with his sin or his ancestral sin. John points to a much larger picture of sin here. 
Now, the need of this miracle is not the man's blindness to be healed, but it is the need for God's works to be shown. Jesus says, but this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, the work here is is about what Jesus does through God. It's about displaying God through Jesus. And secondly, it is defined by belief in Jesus. So Jesus says in verse 5, while I, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus makes a claim here of who he is, which is pivotal to the story as he comes to shine light in the darkness. So Jesus walks past this blind man, does not speak to him, but he sees this guy's need. And he sees a need beyond his blindness. He sees a need for this guy's community to see God in Jesus and to see God working in his community. So the blind man does not ask for healing. And Jesus spits in the ground and makes some mud and puts it on his eyes. Now the blind man obviously cannot see what's going on, but he still allows it. He still can feel someone. He can hear people. He can feel someone touching him. And he allows it to occur. He's told to go wash his eyes and his sight is restored. What a radical change all of a sudden for this guy. Never seen anything in his life. He lived in darkness all his life and all of a sudden the whole world just opens up to him. Now, he returns home and his neighbours who knew him quite well were, were quite puzzled because they were used to this guy begging. I, could, I would assume... Being blind, you would be walking a certain way to, to signify you're blind. Um, yet, I can imagine this guy now with full sight being quite confident and he walks back to those who he lives with and, and they are, are curious, who is this guy? Considering they probably didn't think a miracle could take place, they, the only rational answer they can come up with, well, it's got to be a lookalike. It can't be, it can't be the actual guy. But he tells them. No, it's me. It's the person you've, already, you've known all along. And they want to know who did this. And he quite frankly tells them it was Jesus. And they want to know where this guy is. You know, perhaps they want to you know, interrogate Jesus or verify this man's story by talking to Jesus. But he's nowhere to be found. And so now this man is left to testify for himself. Now when Jesus radically transforms our lives gets the attention of those around us. And people want to know how this change occurred. Now we see that the blind man, like I said just before, he has to serve as his own witness. And as the neighbours interrogate him, they obviously come to one conclusion. They need to take him to those who can make a decision about this because it's feels like it's out of their hands because this man's claim would stir stir something in this community something supernatural something unexplained because now this guy sees now from verse 13 to 34 story becomes subject to interrogation now how does one determine the truth you look at the evidence has anyone ever been to court before? Yep, 
I don't need to know, but it's good to know. Has anyone experienced a trial other than just a, a court a hearing? Maybe on TV. That's probably the closest. Well, as part of my job, I, there is a statutory component, so I, I used to be in court a lot. Um, thankfully, I'm not there that often anymore. But the whole idea in a nutshell is to ask the court to exercise judgment on a case that's brought before it. Now, the way they do this is they look at the evidence that's, present, that's presented to them. Now, that's done in many ways, but I've had to sit in that evidence box before and provide my account of why I was bringing things to the court. And then the lawyers, other lawyers, would cross-examine me and would check the validity of what I'm putting forward to them. And as you can imagine, the cross-examiners will bring their own evidence against mine and it just becomes, literally that's why you need a judge to weigh it all up and come up with a decision about what is at least the truth in that case. So, let's look at this guy who gets cross-examined by his community for his witness. I can tell you from first hand, this is uncomfortable. A light shining on you and you have to give an account. Now, because everyone is looking at you and what you say actually has an impact. So, the formerly blind man provides an account of what happened in verse 13 to 15 to the Pharisees. These are... These are the leaders in his community when it comes to religious matters. But instead of the religious people focusing on the miracle and what that means, they focus on something completely different. They are automatically focusing on Jesus breaking the Sabbath, a day on which no work can be done. Now, for Jesus to make mud with his spit, it would have required you know, a bit of kneading, I would imagine, to create enough mud. And that was a violation of the Sabbath. Therefore, according to the Pharisees, a sin was occurred, had occurred. Now, in verse 16, they've heard that the man said, um, the man said and automatically discredit his testimony because they believe that Jesus cannot do miracles because he is a sinner. And sinners cannot perform anything supernatural. Now the, for, now the formerly blind man is asked, who do you say this guy is to you? The man says he is a prophet. What did prophets do? Yeah, what else did they do? Heal. Heal. Thanks, Ben. They did a lot. But what I can imagine this guy is pointing to is this guy is a prophet because he's speaking their language. You, you would know that prophets did miracles. And so this guy is someone special. But yet they still didn't believe. So this man's story starts to unfold. It's, it's not about physical blindness anymore. It's actually whether you can truly see God Now, the story continues, and, and they, the Pharisees, did not believe his account of what happened. So 
they get the parents. So if they can discredit this guy's story, that he was never born blind, and that he, um, then, then obviously the miracle never occurred. And his parents give an account, and they testify to his truth, but they were also afraid, because anyone in that time who acknowledged Jesus was thrown out of their religious institution. So, so far, the evidence seems to be holding up. And the authorities cannot find a hole in this guy's story. And so what they do, they put him under a traditional oath. Give glory to God, which was a formula that they used, as if it's the same formula as, as if we were in court, where we need to swear on a Bible or whatever the case may be, to compound us, to tell the truth. And so the same thing is done to this guy. And so he replies, whether this guy, I don't care who you guys say Jesus is, he has done for me what no one could do. This man has been a part of a community all his life. And all he's reduced to by his neighbours and the religious leaders is to beg for his livelihood. And I would imagine almost exists in the shadows because of his disability. Yet Jesus restores this guy's life. But how, ask the authorities, they still can't understand it. And the man obviously gets upset. He's told his story now heaps of times. And it, it seems like the evidence is holding up. And he says to them, I've already told you my story. That's all I know. And they start to mock him. Although the formerly blind man was not an expert in the law, he knew the context of his community. He, he knew what it was to be a Jew still. And because of his experience of Jesus, he feels he's up to the challenge to actually challenge the ones who were the leaders in his community. He says, you don't, you don't, you don't know him, yet he performed a miracle. We know God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly. The man is showing that Jesus is someone special. And if he has the powers to do what he has done for him, then he cannot be a simple sinner. And the man now makes a declaration, what he believes to be true from the evidence in his own life. This Jesus is from God, because only God can heal. And he's thrown out of a synagogue. So we have so far, this guy has his life radically transformed. Spotlight goes on him. And Jesus was nowhere to be found. But he's thrown out of his religious institution. And Jesus appears. He hears that he's been thrown out. And so he appears to him. After all he's gone through, his sight being restored, leading to interrogation, loss of privileges through being a Jew. It's given him time to process a lot. And so Jesus asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now the Son of Man is not a reference to Jesus' humanity. It's actually a reference to his divinity. So the Jewish reference is of a future figure who marks the beginning of God's final judgment. 
Jesus is that figure through whom we are all judged by. Now the man wants to believe in him and asks, who is he? And Jesus tells him, it's him. Now the man declares, I believe and worshipped him. And the Greek word here for is proskineo. I think I did that right, huh? <laughs> um, and in John, the worship of God in this word is when the man worships Jesus, he's actually acknowledging the presence of God in Jesus. Now Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Now the authorities heard what he said. The religious people heard what he had said. Are we blind too? Given they were of the highest religious order, they expect Jesus to actually exempt them from judgment. But the whole story is not about physical blindness. It's whether we are blind to who Jesus is. The man born blind received his physical sight, but his true sight was restored when he recognised who Jesus was, the light of the world. How often do people believe if they are morally right, ethically correct, good people, that God should spare them from judgment? That is true blindness. Yet Jesus in this story reveals that sin is not only what one does through behaviour. That is secondary to what the bigger picture is. The story reveals of not the sin, the ultimate sin, is not belief in Christ. We are in need of something much greater than ourselves to be saved from this judgment. That is grace. Jesus takes the sin of the world by giving the world access to the light and the love of God. Jesus gives people the opportunity to redefine their relationship with God, not through religion, but through Jesus himself. Now the Pharisees, if they had not had the opportunity to see this this evidence in John 9, they could not be accused of being blind. But yet they see the literal works of Jesus and they still refuse to believe. They turn down what Jesus offers. And they bring judgment on themselves. So our story this morning points to one significant fact. God wants us to move from blindness to sight. Move from the blindness and darkness that surrounds us until allowing Jesus to reveal his light in us, reveal a brighter reality. We have a man in this story who was born blind, living in darkness all his life, physical darkness and spiritual darkness. And he's given healing for both. Jesus gave this man hope of something much greater than just simple physical sight. As a blind man's life was so radically transformed by Jesus, he could not do anything but testify of the very truth of what has occurred in his life. God revealed to him that blindness and previous suffering 
was for God to reveal the truth about Jesus to him and his community. Now, the disciples questioned sin in the beginning in this story. And as I mentioned before, the true message of John's gospel when it comes to sin is denying Jesus as the light of the world who offers true sight is the sin that's committed here. Now, you remember how I talked about evidence in court, how I went to court. Now, the, man's, the man had his own testimony. He had a testimony of his parents. He had the testimony of his community who knew that he was blind. When God transforms us, the story holds. We have to be confident in that. Jesus has the ability to transform our lives. It may not be by a physical healing miracle, but the evidence here is showing us that he understands what humanity truly needs. Being restored to sight and having his light. We see the blind man is rejected for believing in the ultimate truth. His society pushed certain truths on him. However, in light of what Jesus did, these truths crumbled. Though he may be rejected for the truth of Jesus, he never turns anyone away. His invitation always remains open. So as we take communion this morning, we testify and declare that Jesus has transformed our lives and we declare that he is the light of the world who has given us true sight. I'll leave you with the same question that he asked the, the blind man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? May the Lord bless his word.